Somehow, some way, the Chicago Blackhawks extended their winning streak last night by beating the Colorado Avalanche without Patrick Kane. I'll get into how the Hawks came away with two points and whether or not a Jonathan Taves trade to Colorado makes sense. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked on Blackhawks podcast. Today is Friday, January 13th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman2. Or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And real quick, if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please make sure to go and show some support first by following the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well, which I always greatly appreciate. And the best part about it all is that it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast. For those who may not be aware yet, I will be giving away two free Blackhawks tickets to a game sometime in the second half of the regular season. All you have to do in order to qualify is one, go and leave me a review on either Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Bonus points if you go and leave me a five-star review. And in that review, you also need to drop the name of your YouTube channel because the second thing you need to do in order to qualify is you need to be subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. So if I go and see your review, I choose that you're going to be the winner, but you're not subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. I'm going to choose another winner. So make sure to go do both of those things. Every episode from here on out, folks, is going to have a video uploaded to YouTube. So if you haven't already, make sure to go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks. It's also 100% for free. It only takes two seconds to go and click that button, and it really does help me out tremendously. And while you're there, make sure to smash the like button down below on today's video. And last, go and ring the bell. Turn on those push notifications, and that way you can get notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your first listen here on Friday the 13th. Hope everyone's Friday is off to a safe and good start so far. And Friday the 13th hasn't crept up on you in any way. Uh, Last night, believe it or not, yes, the Chicago Blackhawks, who coming into the game were dead last in the NHL standings, upset the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche for their third consecutive win. And honestly, this was a great game to watch. I haven't said that many times, if at all, here in the first half of the season, but this game really had everything. A lot of back-and-forth action from both sides. thought both netminders were playing really well. Uh, There was a crucial review for the Blackhawks down the stretch, which helped lift them to victory. Uh, A couple of pretty goals. This game really did have everything, and uh, I'm kind of jealous that I wasn't on tap for this one. It would have been a fun game to be in attendance for. And while some fans out there are a little upset with the Chicago Blackhawks for winning this game and for having now won three in a row, um, in my opinion, we should really be enjoying nights like this. Because if we've learned anything from the first half of the season, it's that this team is 
very capable of, you know, following this up with an eight or a nine game losing streak. And wins like this are going to be few and far between the rest of the way, especially as the trade deadline starts to inch closer and closer and closer. The Blackhawks are inevitably going to start trading away some of these pieces, meaning the wins are going to be fewer and far between. Uh, And they're still in a really good spot for the Connor Bedard standings, even though they have now jumped Columbus and the Blue Jackets are now dead last in the NHL. As I said, the losses are still going to come for this Blackhawks team. When they start trading guys away um, the last, what, 20, 25 games of the season, it's going to be hard to see them beating anyone when the roster gets that thin. So there are definitely going to be a lot more brutal points throughout the rest of the way, Blackhawks fans. So to me, just enjoy wins like these. The winning hockey games is supposed to be fun, especially when you go in upset the defending champion, Colorado Avalanche. It's fun to win hockey games. And again, I promise you, this winning streak is not going to last forever. In fact, could even come to an end on a Saturday night when the red-hot Seattle Kraken come to town. But anyways, getting into the game itself last night, obviously the Hawks were without Patrick Kane once again, but it didn't really have any effect on their performance. I thought it was one of their best efforts of this entire season. They never trailed at any point to the abs. They managed to score first for the fifth consecutive game, which I think no surprise has kind of led to some better results here. It's nice when you don't have to play from behind night in and night out. Uh, And credit to Sam Lafferty for kicking off the scoring for the Blackhawks with his fifth goal of the season to stay red hot. Nice shot by Lafferty on a breakaway. And he now has five points in his last six games and is playing really well down there on the fourth line and generating some much needed offense from that bottom six. And the Avs, you know, they did respond back like everyone expected both times that the Blackhawks uh, had a lead through the opening 40 minutes. They wound up tying the game, but uh, I thought the turning point really, or the moment where momentum fully had shifted into Chicago's favor and it really gave them the confidence that they could come away with a win in this game was at the start of the second period. Evan Rodriguez tied the game up for Colorado one to one in the first. It was tied up after 20. And then the Blackhawks regained their lead right back less than two minutes into the second as Andreas Athanasiu scored a beauty by driving to the net, taking advantage of his speed, and somehow maintaining control of the puck and then flipping it over Avalanche netminder Pavel Fransos. Big shout out to Isaac Phillips as well on that play for the stretch pass and picking up his second career assist on that play. Um, But even after that, the Blackhawks kept their foot on the pedal in the first half of that second period. They held Colorado without a shot on goal for the first 11 minutes of that middle frame. And even though Kale McCarr did wind up tying the game two to two with a sneaky shot through traffic. I still don't understand how that got through everyone. Again, I thought that period really gave the Blackhawks the confidence that they needed to go out and win the game in the third period. That's exactly what they did. The eventual game winner went to Taylor Radish on a marvelous tic-tac goal passing play from Jonathan Taves and Tyler Johnson. I really love what that second line has been doing here the past couple of weeks, even if more nights than not, they haven't been getting the finished product. It's kind of been the theme of this Blackhawks season offensively, just not getting the finished product. Nice to see them get one there uh, and continue to play well and generate a lot of scoring opportunities. 
the Blackhawks wind up holding on for their third consecutive win, uh, but not without some big-time help from their head coach, their penalty kill, and their netminder. First, got to give a huge shout-out to Luke Richardson for having the cojones to challenge that uh, the goal late in the third by the Colorado Avalanche. It sure looked like it was goaltender interference. Miko Ranson a couple of times, like a couple different times in the game, was trying to pitchfork Peter Mrazek. I'm not sure if those two have bad blood or Mrazek's couple of shutouts in his career against Colorado had something to do with that, but I did think it was the right call um, by the officials after the review. The ballsy part was, you know, even just challenging it in the first place, and apparently um, Richardson had some had some whispers in his ear that they shouldn't challenge it. He's the head honcho. Ultimately, it's his decision to make. He ends up challenging the play. Gets overturned for no goal. The Blackhawks hang on to win. Huge shout out to Luke Richardson making a true difference in this one for the Blackhawks. And then credit to the Blackhawks PK. They were phenomenal all night long. And after giving up four power play goals in the season opening loss to Colorado, yes, four of their five goals in that season opener came on the man advantage. Last night, the Blackhawks shut them down and went five for five, maybe for their best performance of the season as well and not only did they go five for five but they really didn't give Colorado's power play all that much they didn't give them anything on the inside kept them you know out at the dots or high out near the blue line just not very many high danger looks given up at all and I really liked also how aggressive this penalty kill was I thought that was something they did a really good job of when Luke Richardson first came on early in the season and kind of changed the structure of the penalty kill to how the Blackhawks had been running it the last few years. Um, I thought it made a big difference early on in the season. Then the penalty kill kind of hit a huge lull there the past month, month and a half. Um, But getting back to their aggressive ways last night, I thought made a huge difference, kind of boa constricting the avalanche every time they had the puck on their stick. And also, Credit to the Blackhawks penalty killers for standing up the avalanche at the blue line. They made them dump the puck in a lot. And when they had to go that route, they weren't very successful at retrieving the puck. So a really great night from the Hawks penalty killers obviously made a huge victory in this low scoring three to two win over Colorado. And then Peter Morazic, he was tremendous in that as well. Finally gets rewarded with a win, just his third of the season, first in 2023. In his second since mid-October. Ay, ay, ay. No denying it has been a very tough year for sure for Mrazek. But even though he has been surpassed by Alex Stalock as the starter, pretty clear cut and obviously, uh, the last few outings for Mrazek, maybe other than his last one against San Jose, he's had a lot of good performances in the month of December. And I'd say the majority of his recent starts have been pretty solid. So nice to see him again get rewarded for that type of showing and that getting the job done with his friend, Peter check in the building. Uh, we've seen the Blackhawks having some fun with Peter check at their own practices and on a day off here in the past week, he was in the booth last night in attendance at the UC might have to keep him around a little bit more often. Is this, if this is the result, the Blackhawks get. All right. There is my recap of the Blackhawks impressive three to two win over the Colorado Avalanche coming up in just a moment. I will discuss Patrick Kane's absence and how the Hawks managed to win three in a row without him. But first I need to talk to you all about bet online. 
Bet online is your number one source for all pro and college sports betting needs this season. You can find all of the latest developments, game matchups, news, and even podcasts on whatever game you want to place a wager on. And bet online is also your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and game scores. And I personally love it because while it's both the fastest and the easiest way to place a wager down, and they literally have everything from the NHL the NBA, college basketball, UFC, MMA, boxing, and they even have golf. They really do have everything. So make sure to go and head on over to the website today, or you can also use your mobile device right now to learn about all of the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. Back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Real quick, just wanted to say thanks again to everyone for making the show your first listen here to start off your day. Now for your second listen, make sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL Prospects, which is a very relevant podcast for us Blackhawks fans. It's a daily podcast that covers the next generation of hockey superstars leading up to the 2023 NHL Draft. Plus, you can also get NHL draft rankings and top prospect comparisons for every single team. So make sure to check out Locked On NHL Prospects, available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, segment two, let's talk about Patrick Kane for a moment here, folks. His 88 missed his third consecutive game last night with a lower body injury, yet the Blackhawks found a way to win their third consecutive game without him. It really doesn't make much sense. In uh, listen, I'm I'm just as confused as you are how the Blackhawks are kind of hitting their stride without their best player. So I figured on the show today, we'd kind of try and break down some reasoning for the Hawks winning streak without Patrick Kane. Uh, first, I do want to say, though, it does sound decently likely that Kaner will return tomorrow night against Seattle. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some good news out of the morning skate as the Blackhawks are not practicing here on Friday the 13th, maybe for the best to avoid some of that bad juju. Uh, but as far as how the Blackhawks offense is finding ways to be successful without Patrick Kane, first off, I do want to say Lucas Reichel has been an awesome addition up to that top line. I thought he's looked really solid in all three games. Uh, he was a little quiet last night against Colorado, but I also think a big part of that was because he's not on any of the top special teams units, and there were eight power plays in this game last night with no power play goals. So, plus, one of them was a uh, four-minute minor for high sticking. So, there were 18 minutes of penalties last night in the game. Basically, an entire period of the game, a third of the game, was spent with someone having a man advantage in with Reichel not being on the top power play unit, which I think is something that probably should happen here in the next couple of games, um, it does kind of make sense why he was a little quiet and why his time on ice was so low last night. But um, as far as that top line goes, one thing that kind of slipped into my mind this morning when I was thinking about it, um, I, I think maybe not having Kane out there in a weird way could kind of free everyone up to let them play their own game a little bit more. And I know that kind of sounds crazy. Um, but when you think about it, I do wonder if guys like Max Domi or Philip Kurashev or, or Tyler Johnson, whoever it may be, none of them are true top line players. None of them have the skill set that Patrick Kane has. So I wonder if 
when they're on the ice with Kane. I wonder if they're trying to play his game maybe a little bit too much or whenever they're in certain situations, they just kind of automatically defer to him knowing he's the best and most dangerous player on the ice. I don't know. That's just one thing I've I've thought about, though, with that top line in particular, because they've looked really solid these three games without Patrick Kane. Again, Lucas Reichel and his insertion to the lineup, I'm sure, is a big part of that. And I'm really excited to see Kane and Reichel paired together, hopefully tomorrow night against the Kraken. But that that's kind of the only explanation I could have for that top line in general, kind of having success without Patrick Kane. But as for the rest of the Blackhawks lineup, it feels to me like they're just getting a little bit better puck luck, mostly in these last two games, because in that 2 nothing victory against the Arizona Coyotes a week ago, the Blackhawks won 2 to nothing, and they only had one goal. Uh, the, the other came as an empty netter. They only beat Connor Ingram once, which, you know, is really not all that press- impressive if you go and look at his numbers. Um, and, and sure, you know, they did put four past a really good Calgary Flames squad defensively. Um, but I, I just think they're just getting some, some better luck and some, some better finishing results because they've had plenty, like last night against Colorado, two of their three goals came basically on breakaways, one from Lafferty, the other from Athanasiu. They've had chances like that all season long. I mean, how many times have we seen Taylor Radish get denied on a breakaway or, or same with Sam Lafferty? The Blackhawks just haven't been getting the finished product. It's been the theme all season long, but in their last two games, against Calgary and against Colorado, they finally have gotten some of that. And good things happen when you put the puck on net. Um, I've thought it's been nice to see the Blackhawks, I think, recognize that issue here in the past week or two and be more direct with their plan offensively, particularly with Seth Jones on the power play. That guy's just got to shoot the puck every time he has it at this point. Um, But yeah, good things happen when you put the puck on net. And it's finally, it's nice to finally see this Blackhawks team get rewarded a bit more offensively is, you know, three goals in one night doesn't happen all that often for this bunch. Uh, I also think a big part of the Blackhawks winning these three games in a row is due to the defense in the goaltending they've received, particularly the goaltending. It's been pretty stellar. Staylock picked up the team's first shutout of the season against Arizona and then followed that up with a 44 save performance against Calgary. He's been really solid whenever he's been healthy this year. And then Mrazek, I already talked about it. Last night, too, I thought he played really well against Colorado. And good goaltending is always going to give you a chance in this league. Without it, you literally don't stand a chance come the Stanley Cup playoffs. And the Blackhawks have gotten really good goaltending over their last three games. So I think that's obviously been a huge part of the winning streak. And all in all, I think the defense has been a lot better lately, too. Uh, Jake McCabe, and Seth Jones have been pretty dynamite since being paired together. No reason to break them up anytime soon. Uh, unless, you know, McCabe obviously gets traded. I think those two should remain together for the rest of the season. And what a difference it makes when he gives Seth Jones a legitimate D partner. Holy moly, who would have thought? Um, and then Isaac Phillips, too. I, I got to give some credit to Isaac Phillips here. Last night, he might have been the best player on the ice for the Blackhawks. He was stellar on the ice for two of their goals for none against, was breaking up a ton of plays, had a great outlet pass, um, great outlet pass to set up Andreas Athanasiu, and he also made a nice keep and ring around at the blue line on the eventual game-winning goal from Taylor Radish. And I am just so impressed with the ascension of Isaac Phillips the last year, 
year and a half. Being a fifth round pick in the 2020 NHL draft, not all that long ago, kid's still only 21 years old. And he's an NHLer at this point, Blackhawks fans, in my mind, at least. He's kind of left me with no doubts. And, you know, he, he's maybe had one or two shaky nights. But other than that, he's fit the part beautifully. And I think he should remain up in the NHL for the rest of this regular season. Um, Isaac Phillips, his steady play on defense has certainly been a, a nice bonus last night as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think when you get better puck luck offensively, you're getting great goaltending like the Blackhawks got in the beginning of the season. Let's not forget, that was a huge part of why the team opened up the year 4-2-0, and and everyone was like, whoa, the Blackhawks not going to be as bad as everyone expected. A huge part of that was the really solid goaltending and timely goal scoring. That returned last night against Colorado. It returned last Sunday against Calgary. Sometimes the game of hockey is really weird. I know we haven't seen it much with this Blackhawks team, but no one really loses nine out of every 10 games or loses 21 of 24. Inevitably, the Blackhawks are going to find ways to win more than that. Now, again, when they trade some guys, I think it's going to be harder to do so, but I felt like this was kind of a natural, um, I don't want to say progression, but a natural sort of bounce back after how few victories they've had in the last two months. And that's, again, why I feel like they're in a really good spot for the tank. So all in all, those things, I think, have played a huge part in the Blackhawks' three-game winning streak without Patrick Kane. Don't get it twisted. This team is better with a healthy number 88. Don't even let that thought cross your mind. They've just been getting some better puck luck, some outstanding goaltending, and a much better defensive effort in these past three games. Before I wrap up the show for today, folks, I do want to talk for a moment about the idea of Jonathan Taves possibly getting traded to the Colorado Avalanche and whether or not that would make sense for the Avs financially and also as well as the overall fit. Now, obviously, we don't have any real concrete news or updates or anything on Jonathan Taze's decision, whatever that may be, although we kind of had heard some rumors that apparently he's the one that might be sticking around, not Patrick Kane. Again, though, no one really knows what's true and what isn't at this point. It's all kind of speculation, and everyone's just kind of taking shots in the dark here. But I will say one team that has always made sense to me for Jonathan Taves was the Colorado Avalanche. And even heading into the season, losing Nazem Kadri, it, it felt like they needed, it felt like they were going to need to add a center at the deadline unless Alex Newhook was ready to step up and be an absolute wizard. And not a knock on him. He's still a young kid. He just hasn't been ready to step into that second line center role for a Stanley Cup champion. I mean, it's a tough spot to be in. Alex Newhook still is a promising prospect for them, but they kind of need someone who's ready for that job right now. And it just looks like he hasn't necessarily been able to fill Nazem Kadri's shoes like some folks in Colorado were hoping for. So it does make sense in terms of overall fit, Jonathan Taves being one of the best two-way centers in the entire game. My one thing that I think about here is... um. I don't know if this is is true for Colorado as it may be for other teams. I feel like Jonathan Taves is more of a third-line center on certain spots, but I will say giving him some more offensive talent that the Avs have 
there's no denying that his offensive numbers could take a jump if he gets moved there and put into that role. They're, you know, I, I know they're 25th in the NHL in goals this season, but once they kind of get everyone back and healthy and I think they're going to find their groove at some point. We know this is a much better offense than what the numbers show on paper. So, uh, and Taves too, to his credit, has looked much better offensively this year in comparison to last year. And yeah, I think if you put him on that team, it's definitely possible that he could be producing as a second line center. Um, But the two teams to me that have always made the most sense were the Colorado Avalanche and the Boston Bruins. I think the Winnipeg Jets also at the beginning of the season didn't make that much sense to me, but now that they've found, you know, uh, a good amount of success here in the first half, Jonathan Taves being a Winnipeg boy, that could be a big draw for him to go and join the Jets. But for Colorado, here's my issue about this whole thing. The Blackhawks can say, sure, that they want to get a first-round pick for Jonathan Taves. Yeah, I'd, I'd want a first-round pick for Andreas Athanasio, too. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. I just, it's going to be tough to get a first-round pick for Jonathan Taves. And I definitely think in order for that to even be a possibility, and it's probably a likelihood for Taves to get traded to anyone, uh, considering his cap hit, a third team is probably going to have to be involved here to cut that cap hit down from 10.5 to 5.25 and then uh, just over 2.2 mil or whatever that number may be. Uh, Cause there's no way the Colorado avalanche are going to pay him $5.25 million. No way. A lot of teams can even afford 5.5, $5.25 million and no way they're going to do that. And also give up a first round pick. Um, and even if a third team does get involved there, there's no guaranteeing that someone is going to offer a first round pick for Jonathan Taves. We'll see what the market is as we get closer to the trade deadline, but a first round pick does just feel pretty lofty for Jonathan Taves. Right. And my issue here is that the avalanche don't have any second round picks until 2025. So to me, Colorado kind of feels like a first round or bust type of situation, unless they're able to sweeten the pot with, some sort of high-level prospect or something. That's the only way that it gets done because I don't think the Blackhawks are taking a third-round pick for Jonathan Taves unless no one else is literally offering anything better. Um, But yeah, that's my one issue with Taves going to Colorado. Obviously, he would have to waive his no-movement clause to go there in the first place, which I imagine he would, but you never know for sure, never know what's going to happen in these next couple of weeks, but I do think that Colorado, it it has made sense. I just wonder what kind of deal would have to be done if they're not offering a first round pick. Curious times we live in folks, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, both potentially on the trade block and make sure to get on down to the United Center here in these next couple of weeks to go and see Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, because you never know when they are actually going to be on their way out. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Friday, January 13th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Make sure if you're not already to go and follow the show for free wherever you get your podcasts and go and subscribe to Locked On Blackhawks on YouTube. And you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Once again, thank you all for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, that's going to do it here. 
for the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.